We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. We are back. Weekly episodes every Thursday evening through September, and we will move to twice a week, kind of once training camp gets rolling in October. Those will be Monday evenings. If you missed last week's episode, uh, Charlie Johnson and I, we talked our way kind of through how we perceive the uh, starting lineup to, to come together and not just who that fifth starter is going to be, but kind of what each different option will look like if they start or if they're just playing together with Teague and Wiggins, uh, Covington and Cat in, in that sort of way. So I would actually say turn off this episode. I don't know. Is that bad? <laughs> Go back and listen to that one first because um, that's kind of just like overarching talking about it. Uh, and then in these next three episodes, kind of doing, a, I guess, a four-part season preview, we're going to dig in position by position Um We'll do. We'll hit on the guards, the wings, and today we're gonna do the bigs, which we're viewing as the traditional big yeah. men: Carl Anthony Towns, Noah Vonley, Jordan Bell, Gorgie Jang, and Nas Reed. It's and, Nas, not Nas, right? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Nas? No, I think it's Nas. Oh, I, really? Nas, no, I don't know. Just, just call him Reed. We'll call him Reed. <laughs> Um, no, I've heard both. I've heard both. Like, we got to ask him. Because remember, last year was the same thing with Kata, right? Well, like, Kata just changed his name. Yeah, like, was... there are previous interviews where Kata and his family are like, no, it's Bates Jop. Yes, yes. It was always Kata. Yeah, Kata. And, then, and it was Bates Jop, and then now it's Bates Diop, because he corrected it. I, I yeah. Don't know. Weird. We should, <laughs> Naz is, Naz is literally three letters. We should be able to <laughs> hit on that. Um, we are doing the traditional bigs, and we're leaving... Guys like Robert Covington, who might get some small ball, well, small ball four time, maybe even Jake Lehman. But I just, 
I've moved to a point where I think we've gone too far with this Robert Covington thing in viewing him as a forward. I think it's as a power forward. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen that much. I don't know. Do you think he'll start there? Do you? I'm, 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 you, you I'm wavering. On, you I, bet on Jake Lehman. I know. A week ago. I know. I bet on him. I, I, <laughs> it's just as I think about it more, have more. Think about just the league, and I'm like, what the Robert Covington's little toothpick legs? Like, it's just not. It's not. It's not feasible to have him be the guy who plays the most minutes at power forward. Even when Gerson Rosa said it the very first time when he referred to him as a power forward, he said. Robert Covington's best offensive position yep, yep. is the four. He didn't say defensive. So I think these bigs are important to to discuss because I think we're going to find a big role. Obviously for Cat, you hope save foul trouble. He's playing 35 minutes a night for you. And and then the other guys, particularly if it's, it's a starting role, or I think there's at least like another 25-minute-a-night big man role, 20 minutes, I don't know. But that's we're, we're starting to get a lot of minutes, and that makes – that makes Noah Vonley super relevant. Jordan Bell, like I'm moving, I'm getting more and more comfortable envisioning this team as Jordan Bell being a real role player, if not a guy who plays along Cat, alongside Cat a lot. I, it's, I think these guys, this is, this position I've, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's the one I've changed my view on the most since like the offseason has, has rolled along because I mean, yeah, you didn't pay Vonley or Bell much, but they're playing. Yeah, like totally. they're for sure playing. Um, so I guess in just going through this, we're going to dig through each player on a really basic level, you know, strengths, weaknesses, but just to kind of hyper focus a little bit on mm-hmm. Gorgie Jang, on Jordan Bell, and and go in that way. When you were when you were putting this together, like notes on this, did anything? I guess that's what I think. That's what stuck out to me. I was yeah. like, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Just painting Robert Covington in the power forward position, which which sounds weird after the conversation we had last week where we I assumed to be him and Lehman. It's just it's not gonna exclusively be Covington is mm-hmm. the power forward, right? Yeah. Well two things came to my mind putting all this together. One along those lines of, you know, maybe Robert Covington isn't playing 30 minutes a game next to Cat in the front court. And if he's not, no one else is stretchy. No one else is a good shooter unless you get a, a leap from Vonley this year, like another leap. No one else is going to demand that a defender stick with them beyond the three-point line. So Robert Covington on the offensive end is your Dario Saric or Anthony Tolliver replacement. But like you said, on the defensive end, especially compared to Dario Saric, he just doesn't have the girth to to stand in front of big men like, like Saric totally. does. Uh, the other thing that came in, <laughs> into my mind is I feel like there's this weird kind of thing where this Timberwolves front court, especially these like big, big guys, they're both deep and shallow. Like you have really four guys with Kat, Jang, Vonley, and Bell where you feel like, okay, there's a good chance that they have like a nice season where they're a nice rotational piece. But there's also a world where only one of them does. Where, you know, Vonley and Bell just aren't very good and Gorgie kind of has a season more like he did two years ago. And you're just... Kind of SOL. You're kind of like thin. Yeah, like totally. Thin in production. Yeah, and almost forced to go by necessity rather than choice into those smaller lineups where we're like, well, this. Yeah, we've been struggling to get a synergy between Cat and Bell or Cat and Vonley, and now we're just gonna go. We're gonna like size be damned. Go with Layman and Covington in the in the front car. I, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, and it, it's. It's why I think the, the preseason is going to be informative, or at least the first 20 games of the season, we're going to be like, well, th- does 
do Von Lay and Cat work together? Is is it when Bell's out there, is he like the five and then Cat's playing the four? Or how how much are they? How much of a bruising is a layman in Covington three four able able to take? Like we we're gonna we're gonna see that kind of in once we actually start seeing, you know, basketball. Yeah. The the, the actual games. <laughs> um it was just kind of in I'm we're not only doing this, but I'm putting together player profiles for everyone on the roster that um we'll have we'll have up on the website and I I was just doing Towns's and I was like, man, I like it's not that I haven't thought about Towns in a while, but he's just kind of this known yep. this known commodity of a superb offensive player and he lacks something on the defensive end. And we just kind of put him into that box when there's so many layers to him. There's mm-hmm. so many different things that make him an interesting offensive player. And, and the question, the questions he has on defense also require parsing because it's not all terrible. And then in some ways it is. Yeah. And it, it's, he obviously is the best player in the team and, you know, deserves the attention to detail in that way. Not just from us, but from, you know, the, and I would like to think the coaching staff isn't just like hasn't just put up like the cat avatar into the five slot and say hey we're good here let's figure everything else out no it's got to be the cat avatar is here how else does everything yeah fit around it and um it's just going into i I guess i'll go into his stats just a little bit i think that's so true though like we've been we we've been spending a lot of time like writing articles that you know we're gonna put put together with our preseason stuff and i was going through and kind of looking at like okay who have we been writing about and who haven't we been writing about and it's like guys like carl anthony towns and robert covington and even the jeff teagues of the world when you have a summer that's so interesting and with so many moving parts people who are mainstays or even people who are just better like you fall in the background which is weird and probably not how it should be but (laughs) i guess this is kind of the the nature of it yeah the newest thing is the shiniest the newest toy or whatever yeah um but carl is the best toy yeah so we should (laughs) focus on that he uh begins a five-year 158.3 million dollar contract this season um obviously he missed out on that 32 million dollar bump uh if you would have made the all nba team yeah that's (laughs) for this team it's a makes a makes a big difference that i noticed they play it's like the 10th and 11th game of the season or something they play utah back-to-back nights it's like that'll be fun yeah like Cattle, cattle, definitely ramp it up for because Gobert was the one who got the the final All NBA slot. You know, yeah, literally costing Cat thirty two million dollars uh, in the process. So that'll be interesting. First year of that deal. His stats last season: thirty three minutes per game, twenty four points per game, twelve boards, three and a half assists. He shot eighty four percent from the line and forty percent from three. I went through his. We we did this kind of at the end of last season, but compared his stats under Tibbs versus under Ryan mm-hmm. and um, his unsurprisingly to anybody who, who watched him play his numbers took a big jump um, under, under Ryan, five more points per game, uh, an extra assist and his three point, point shooting went from 38 under Tibbs to 42 with Ryan. And that, that's like a natural progression you would kind of think of, but what really stood out to me was the like kind of, some more of the advanced statistics, the mm. his assist rate and his rebounding rates in that way. His assist rate increased, took a 40% jump. Oh, wow. Which is, I yeah. mean, huge. And I think we can kind of envision what that was, you know, going to the post a lot more. He was, 
he was finding ways to navigate double teams and that sort of capacity, finding guys turning the ball over a little bit less in those situations. But that's a, I mean, that's a noticeable jump. And I think it's part of the reason why we think of him as somebody who can begin to take on, he's not, he doesn't have the Nikola Jokic vision, but kind of take on that role yeah. as a five. And his offensive re- rebounding rate increased by 13%. Wow. Not, not like he... Like no, no, increase, I know what you mean. An, yeah, uh, yeah. Overall increase in that way. Defensive rebounding uh, up by 7%, and his turnover rate dropped by 4%. And oh, wow. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that the turnover rate dropped. I, I, kind of, I kind of was, too, because you would just think his usage went from 26% under tips to, like, a massive 30%. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, I mean, you look around at the, the Russell Westbrooks, the guys like that who are handed a massive usage, the byproduct of that is often an increased turnover Mm-hmm. propensity and um that didn't so the second half of the season i don't think deserves any sort of like bronze medal for uh, anything for being great by the timberwolves or anything necessarily that ryan did but but this those numbers of your best player evolving into a more effective offensive version of an already very effective offensive player is is room for some serious like optimism. Yeah. And and to think optimistically, I think two two things that stand out for me from Cat's season last year and from what you just said. One is the minutes he played last year, 33.1 minutes per game, which is two fewer, two and a half minutes fewer than he played in 2017-18 the season before, and almost four minutes fewer than he played uh, during his second year in the league and that's almost all because of foul trouble I, was gonna say, I thought you were trying to say it was like some sort of load management thing no I was like, no no that wasn't it, it was, no and that's it was foul trouble staggering yeah. so to think that he could play three more minutes per game which is nearly 10 percent more playing time yeah. is is encouraging and that's no given because he fouls a lot but also you say you know his, his usage rate jumped to 30 percent which is huge but it should be higher than that this year and it probably will <laughs> probably, be yeah, yeah. So I just think if right. to, to to look at it optimistically. I guess I, I hadn't really thought about the just on a really simple sense. If you are increasing your minutes per game, to I think we, he can his body can handle thirty five. I don't think he needs yeah. his load to be managed in that sort of way. But under Ryan, he played thirty two minutes a night, and again, yeah, as you said, that's foul trouble. So if it is if it is a ten percent boost, and he was averaging twenty seven points per game mm-hmm. in those thirty two minutes, I mean, now we're talking. You're talking about a thirty. 30 point, point per game. Yeah. I mean, if the draw the draw the line there, like Yeah, and it, like like it's it's like saying per 36 minutes or whatever, like it doesn't work right. like that, but he does have a pass like he's put together months long stretches before where he's scoring 30 points per game yeah. and he really does look like <laughs> for the first time he's going to be able to show all of his or at least try to show mm-hmm. all of the skills that he, you know, seems to have. Do you think he'll average 30? No, if no, I would guess more like somewhere between 27 and a half and 29. That's still huge. That's huge. But I mean, who else is going to score though? <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's part of it. Fair. Yeah. But that, and that's part of why his usage rate should be even higher than 30% this year. It's like, if you're not giving, if you're not, if 30% of your possessions aren't ending in Carl Anthony Towns' hands, like it, it feels like you're doing something wrong this right. year. Yeah. No. And it, it felt like there was a ton of cat in the, sec- the under Ryan, but to me, it didn't seem like a ridiculous amount. No, I don't you think know? so. So I, I think that, it, yeah, at least if we take that 30%, that should be kind of a baseline. I, I think I, so I would too. say for what we perceive him to 
deliver in, in that sort of way. Um, for strengths, uh, I put together the two I have down are diverse scoring prowess and offensive rebounding. And the reason I, I didn't want to just say shooting because I think we can, um, I think in cat shooting 40% from three these past two years, we can put a little bit too much credit to why he's an offensive player and his ability to stretch the floor and do so at a high rate when he is equally dominant in ways and in the post. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look at his point per possession post up effectiveness, it's in particular under Ryan, when it got even that efficiency went up, um, it's, it's on pace with the, or on par with, a Kevin Durant isolation, a Kawhi Leonard isolation, yep. just where they're you know they're top of the key, like going to the past. It's not it's not James Harden level, mm-hmm. but there are there's only five, we're only five players in the NBA who averaged over one point per possession in, in post up situations, and one of those was Cat. And for him to have done that, given how poor his surroundings were, particularly in shooting, yep, that that is very impressive and makes you think about what if he were like, so he's about the same as Embiid last year, right? Yet Embiid, you know, he's got, at least he's got JJ Redick out there. Oh yeah. You know, Jimmy Butler for 70, 80% of the season, mm-hmm. you know, guys that you need to be, you can't just leave. You're not going to just leave JJ Redick. You're not going to just leave Jimmy, Butler. you're not saying Jimmy Butler's like a knockdown shoot, but you're not going to leave Jimmy Butler. Cause if you swing, swing to Jimmy Butler and you're scrambling to him, because he is a good catch and shoot three point shooter. Catch and shoot three point shooter, and or if you're moving oh, yeah. into your closeout, he's going to burn by you. So, what did Cat have? Like seriously, what did what did he have? He kind of for 22 games, he or 11 games, he had healthy Covington. Another 11 games, he had he had hurt Covington. Yeah, he had Jimmy Butler, who was out of shape and pissed off for 10 mm-hmm. games. Like what was what was the dynamic piece that it was Wiggins? It was Wiggins who Wiggins had obviously had his, his worst year mm-hmm. of his career. And so everything in a post-up situation, if you were, if you were the, if you were the Sixers guarding him, I guess they have him think about a smaller team, like a, if you're the Celtics and Al Horford's on him, like, yeah, let's bring a second guy or at least like have two guys halfway over there, you know, to, to get in the way Like cat is, has been a dominant post-up player in the NBA without the pieces around him that should make him as yeah. statistically dominant as he could be. And I thought we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't it, forget that in, and just be like, he's an awesome shooting three pointer. Totally. Three and and it, it obviously just makes you think like, wow, just imagine if there was great shooting and, and movement around him. And I think it's worth noting. I don't have this in front of me, but I believe it was his third year in a row, averaging more than one point per possession in post-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and do, for like all of last year, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has got the greatest jump hook in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And for most of last year, it felt like his touch was off, off on totally. it. He kept missing these totally. bunnies and this hook shot where, he, you know, usually if he gets that hook shot off clean he over said a guy. As much. He, he, he was like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, did he? Yeah. It's just like, you know, I mean, everything Kat kind of says in the interview <laughs> setting, you take with a grain of salt. Yeah. But like, that was one of them. He's like, it just... It was. It's true. It, and it, it, I test too, right? Like, yeah. Just like what, that didn't go in. Like it, you always make that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that. And I, I, I think his field goal percentage at the rim was lower than it's been. And so it is like when you think about both 
a scheme improving and then hopefully more and more over the years, a roster improving, mm-hmm. like what this guy can become is just crazy Yeah, on the offensive end. Now we buried the lead in the three-point shooting because it's it, – but that deserves just as much acknowledgement. I, I was going through it, and so he shot 40 the past two years. And guess how many players in the NBA have shot 40% in the last two years? They've shot 40, over 40%. Both years. Both years. I don't – I'm going to guess – including him four or five. There's actually 10. Curry, Thompson. I have it written down here somewhere. I could do it. Um, yeah, keep guessing. Those what, are both right. Wes Matthews. No. Uh, Why would that be the third one? JJ Reddick. Because he shoots. Because oh, every JJ. time I look up a three-point shooting stat, Wes, Wes Matthews is up there. <laughs> I, like an overtime consistency yeah. one. All right, give me the rest of them. Okay, so Joe Harris, Steph Curry, Buddy Heald, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, DJ Augustine, what? Uh, Doug McDermott, Otto Porter, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns. Wow. So think about that list. Who's the second tallest player on that list? Kevin Durant. No, Kevin Durant was not on the list. Oh. Clay Thompson. Holy Cat cow. is six inches taller. There, there is nobody who even is, you would talk, I mean, Clay and Bogdanovich are like the biggest guys there. Yeah. Those are d- definitively guards, wings, whatever, at best. He is a seven footer. He just is. He's just a seven-footer who shoots like an elite guard. Who, like we said, is one of the best bas- back-to-the-basket players in the league. And I just that that totally popped me. And I, I don't think that um, I don't think the three-point percentage is the be-all end-all because I would put JJ Redick as an elite shooter those two years. But we know JJ's taking really tough shots, so he kind of bumps down into that like 38 percent. But but still. 40%, a 40% three-point shooter on a high volume is such a weapon. Yeah. And literally nobody else has that weapon in the league who is over six foot six. No, and he is a, a really good shooting season away, like similar volume to what he put up last year. And if he shoots 42%, his career mark from three is going to get over 40%, which mm-hmm. is just, to me, is like the most mind-boggling thing, that he could already be a 40% three-point shooter when <laughs> coming out of the draft, it was like, okay, he's like, he's a pretty good post player. we got to see if he's got some range. I, I was looking up his, um, his like, combine measurements. I, I forgot he didn't, um, I forgot he didn't, like, he was the top pick a lot of time. Like, Zion didn't go to the combine. You know, the top pick, like, they don't even yeah. mess around with that. Uh, but I forgot that I was, I was looking it up and I just came across his like NBA draft.net, like, Oh yeah. Draft yeah. profile. You know, mm-hmm. they got strength and I'm like, Oh, I'm doing strength and weaknesses. Perfect. Yeah. And Oh, it's crazy. Like weak post-up game is in there. Like un- weak post-up <laughs> unre- like unreliable getting to his jump hook. Like, I mean, it, that's like, look it up. It, it's, and, and like defensive stalwart. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, like, no, that's just like not what he's, like prove it to be they had him as the you know the the top guy but not for the right re- or the accurate yeah. reasons um that is so interesting he's uh yes he's just and i i, I like to well, kind of want to talk about this in a little bit i i like to see that he he showed up in sports illustrated's top 100 players and he was 13th on there which i found fair about right about right. About right and um and he, he deserves that yeah he deserves that Pretty much no matter where you fall on the spectrum of his defense. Yeah. Right? I, I absolutely agree. And he, what I think he deserves more than anything else, regardless of how talented the Wolves are this year or whether they win 29 or, or 45 games, 
he deserves to have a franchise behind him, to have a team that with its resources is working to maximize him and to give him like the torch because he's that good. And the people like him who are that good, who get drafted generally get that earlier in their career. And, you know, maybe you can argue that that's not right. Like Tom Thibodeau would have like, you'd rather teach him what he needs to know, but he, he deserves to be the face of it. He, He finally does. He deserves to have that clout and stick his head out like that. Absolutely. Um, did you have a, a different strength No, those than, are, than scoring or rebound? Off it. I did offensive rebound. I was trying to be specific. I like on that, that distinction. Um, it, it shows up in the numbers, but actually if you go and just like watching some of his defensive rebounding and the, the, I mean, it's, it's good totals, like the, the total amount of rebounds he pulls in, but he doesn't necessarily rebound like outside of his zone, which is like the, you know, that's kind of the that's the the true marker of an elite elite rebounder mm-hmm. and you know whether it be i'm understandably like saving some energy or whatever it is he he doesn't he he handles his zone and it, it's it's part of the reason that i think i mean the wolves have every year of his career have been 25th or lower in defensive rebounding rate now he is not the prime culprit yeah, for that no. but he's he's part of it mm-hmm. because he's not he is not an elite rebounding center, even though his per game numbers would tell you that. The total shots and money, it, it just, it, he, hasn't, he hasn't been thus far in his career. But it's different on the offensive end. He does. He rebounds beyond his zone. Uh, I thought it was, it was so interesting to see that in the beginning of his career, the first year of his career, he only t- shot 7% of his total shots were three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Last year was 27. Mm-hmm. Yet he's offensive rebounding more oh that is interesting because he's you know in a to be able to to remain at that level or an increasing level is is just a testament to his tenacity Mm -hmm. in you know in that sort of way (laughs) people i feel like guys who are great offensive rebounders always are like oh they're just just trying to get you know their points oh yeah yeah (laughs) but whatever like he's he's doing it he's he's absolutely tenacious and it's a problem for defenses I would argue like almost as much as his post-up game is or his three-point shooting game. Like you need to take care of him on the defensive glass. And for the Wolves to have been as bad as they are in defensive rebounding, 25th, 25th, um, they've been fourth ever, an offensive rebound. Oh my God. Offensive rebound. Offensive rebounding rate the past three years. Fourth every fourth, year. Fourth, that's fourth, fourth. That's, I mean, that's, that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's cat. That's Cat, and when you say bad defensive rebounding, I do think of Cat, but I mostly think of the wings that this team has has trotted out there. Like, when you got Andrew Wiggins out there for 40 minutes a game, it's going to be hard to be a great defensive rebounding Mm -hmm. team, especially if he's playing at the three, and you have two guys who are smaller than him out there. Um, And it's also, quickly, it's also the, and I I know we've talked about a million different times the way Cat's used in pick-and-roll defense, and I, I, I... I'm not going to be like, this is stupid if they're using him exclusively as a drop scheme big. But using using a drop scheme big in ways is similar to, like, think back to, like, little, like, junior high basketball when your team ran a 2-3 zone all the time. What's the biggest issue? Weak side rebounding because you're playing outside of your zone. And I think by being a drop scheme defense and having Cat be doing that and having Gorgie when Cat isn't in there or Taj or whatever it is, playing in that sort of capacity and running a defense that asks you to stunt in, in the, the wings off the ball to, to stunt in that sort of capacity, it leaves open spots on the floor for teams to offensive rebound. Like if you're 
as we know, a lot of teams don't throw a lot of guys at the offensive glass. They want to worry about transitioning back on defense. Against the Timberwolves and the way they executed their defensive rotations, you should be throwing offensive rebounders at them because a lot of those weak side rebounds, they're going to be there. Yeah. It's just, just it's, a, it's an unmanned spot unless you're executing that perfectly. scheme to a team. Yeah, which the Timberwolves never have. And what's interesting about that is it seems like the evidence would support the notion that the Timberwolves are at least for a majority of the time, going to run the same drop pick and roll scheme this year as given, I know you've been talking about this, given like what was written in John Krasinski's article about Carl Anthony Towns, given the fact that they hired David Banterpool, given the fact that it's what they've done. I mean, it just seems like more likely than not, it's what they're going to do again. I, um, on Tuesday night, Rosa's and Saunders throughout the first pitch of the twins game. And so they, you know, they did kind of a, a media scrum there afterwards. And he was, um, as as he's done a million times, kind of talked about defining Rosas as is defining the offense and, you know, being a team that, you know, wants to, you know, wants to play with pace so that they can take advantage of uh, mismatches on that sort of end. And, you know, that's just been the word, play fast. You know, we want to, we want to play fast in that sort of way. And I said, so how would you, how would you define that? What would be the way you would define that defensively? And he, the two words he used were versatile and strategic. Hmm. Neither of those are switching. We can, we can presume that versatile means switching, but I think it means being able to play in a diversity of spots. And a diversity of coverages. And a diversity yeah. of coverages. Exactly. So, you know, every time they bring up Jordan Bell, it's like, to play for the Warriors, you can switch yeah. all the time. Noah Vonley, ability to switch. You know, Covington, Lehman, Okoye, yeah, Culver. They they appear to be players who can switch. That does not mean it is a switching scheme. Yeah, no. It means you have certain players who are who are doing that. Yeah, when you say versatility and strategery or whatever. <laughs> that just SNL makes me... SNL skit from uh, George Bush. Right? Yeah, yeah. That just makes me think that there's going to be... Um, a lot of variation game to game, like depending on the opponent, depending on what they like to do, we're going to switch up our coverage, which sounds smart to me. If you, I yeah. mean, if you can, if you know, the players can execute it. Exactly. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. I've been thinking, I want to go back to your offensive rebounding point because remember when I think this really got cleaned up over the course of last year, but over the first, especially the first few years of cat's career, he was had this terrible tendency to chase offensive rebounds to a yeah. terrible detriment of the Timberwolves defense. True. And I don't, the cat quote, I can make I can make 20, 80 balls, 50, 50 balls. That's yeah. Like, no. Oh, no, we don't want you to. <laughs> um, and just based on the eye test, I think he's he's gotten better at not doing that. So the fact that he's still getting as many offensive rebounds as he does while picking his spots better, seemingly, mm-hmm. is is very impressive Absolutely. to me. Yeah. Um, you want to hit weaknesses that you put down? I've got three weaknesses down, and they're very broad. Um, and there are more than this to nitpick, but one is defensive awareness, one is fouling, and one is just kind of strength slash sturdiness. I think that that's something that Cat will need to keep working on. The the, the last one of those things, the, the strength and, and kind of just girth thing is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I think if he does get pushed around this year like he has been able to be in the past, it's going to be more of a topic of conversation. Like Cat needs to get stronger. Lacking because you don't have Taj Gibson to go. Yeah. 
Nikola Jokic or yeah. whoever. Well, and he's seven feet be. tall. Like, he should be able to guard almost virtually anyone in the league, like, with, with pretty good confidence, not from a strategy standpoint, but just from, like, a staying in front of them and, you know, having the mass to contain them standpoint. Yeah, it's um, – we, we often talk about with Wiggins or it comes up of the body hasn't necessarily changed a ton yeah. um, since his – since his rookie year. And actually what, what Ryan said about this was that actually what's happened with Wiggins is his weight will go up 10 pounds, drop 10. It's, he's very uh, volatile in terms of weight. Yeah. Which I guess I would, I mean, he obviously he would know. I wouldn't, I, we just kind of, maybe the skinny times stick out to us. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a, an interesting topic of conversation with Kat too. Like, absolutely. Should have he put on 15 pounds or, of, yeah. you know, muscle, like, if possible or but, like weirdly like where's the six pack yeah <laughs> i don't know i, don't I mean think that's weird man. no like you saw it with miles turner like miles turner never looked like he was out of shape but then all of a sudden he was jacked yeah. and like cat could do that Randall, yeah 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 and then to some degree there's body types there Ex- yeah like, i'm not, I, I, I know i know you know that um, I'm, I'm not trying to make this a thing right now no no but i i think it is yeah i i, I think it is and i think they're um i certainly believe Cat works out in the summer and, yeah. is work, and is working on his game and becoming more a more dynamic, um, you know, score defender, whatever that may be. But I think it's more in like the Kevin Durant realm where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm working. I'm going to work on getting better at basketball. I'm Skill add, development. I'm, there you go. Adding things to my bag where um, Durant like pretty openly is like the the physicality level that I'm at works. Mm-hmm. I don't need to change that. And obviously we can look at Kevin Durant and be like, well, you're really skinny. Yeah. Um, but the difference between Cat, if he is mirroring that, is that defense hasn't been a problem for Kevin Durant. Mm-mm. And I think that's because they play different positions. Um, if that is the mentality, which I, I can't know, um, I don't know if that's the best, you know, the the best way to apply his time should, you know, should it, should have it been about putting on some mass this summer? Would have that helped if now this year he's going to be more of a five, five, maybe he's not though. Yeah. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's going to play a ton with Jordan Bell and play a ton with Noah Vonley. And then he's going to be the four or Yeah. I honestly think that's going to be a thing. Or maybe smarter than smarter people than me don't think it's a mass thing and think it's more of a, a skill development thing on the defensive end or an awareness thing. Or, but you know, it just based on the eye test, that wouldn't seem to be totally true. I've, I've told this story, I think probably multiple times on this podcast, but find it relevant is one time, um, actually, would have been two years ago, is that Orlando Magic, you know, shoot around and it's just kind of easy to sit down next to a player and ask him questions. And it was just Nikola Vucevic was there and. I was writing something on Cat and, uh, you know, just started asking very like, broad questions about, you know, what it what it's like to play against Cat and defend Cat and in that sort of way. And it was funny immediately. He's like, well, you know, Cat's, you know, Cat's a great player, but I don't, I don't guard Cat. Cat's, Cat's the four. Aaron, meaning Aaron Gordon, Aaron will be guarding him and I'll be guarding Taj. Mm-hmm. The center. And I was like, oh, so... It's such an enlightening. Yeah, you, you. I mean, and that's more about. And I would assume a lot of other. I don't think Vucevic is 
unique in that perception of of how no. you know, it works. Do you think that's more about who the way the Timberwolves um, in the past would organize their defense? Like if Cat was guarding Vucevic on the other end and Taj was guarding Aaron Gordon, do you think Vucevic would guard Cat? I, I mm, no, I think. Well, obviously, it depends on a make or a miss. And yeah, transition, but just but, yeah. But I think what happens is play NBA players define positions by define their position by the guy they guard. Yeah. And if Vucevic is guarding Taj Gibson, who's living in the paint, mm-hmm. he's like, well, that's, and then there's this other guy who's out here shooting a third of his shots from three. And mm-hmm. like, that's the four, that's a stretch four. Yeah. Like, I think it's, I think that's the way he views it. Even if cat was the, and cat will be this year. I mean, he'll be probably guarding a lot. He'll probably guard Nikola Vucevic mm-hmm. if Novanle isn't on the floor. So, you know, maybe that changes some, but it, it's, uh, if if Cat would have got that All NBA spot and made thirty two more million dollars, which would have totally changed the Timberwolves' financial landscape for the next five years, or would have made a meaningful difference, if he would have got that, it could have just been like, well, why weren't we calling him a power forward the whole time? Yeah, and because he wouldn't have made All NBA as a forward. No, he would have had to make it over like Paul George or something. Yeah, like, that it wouldn't have happened. You know, so it's. Maybe that's mostly just an indictment on the award yeah. process. That's a good point, though. It and is. It really. I mean, it. it it's. We de- particularly in this NBA, we want to define players in positions and role. When the game of basketball is not like football, where you line up in one spot Mm-mm. to start every possession. Yeah, it's a game on the move. It's like jazz, like Michael Scott says. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, do you do you anticipate if if just your best guess, do you, what kind of defensive jump do you think Cat can make this year? Do you think he'll make one, or do you think, I think the, he, he's kind of settled into what he is? I think the jump he made last year is over or is underrated. I think he's already because two years ago it was bad. Yeah, um, and three years ago it was terrible. The Tibbs' first year. I mean, it's like they allowed an additional 10 points per 100 possessions with Cat on the floor than they did with him off, which wasn't like... I mean, no. It was like Cole Aldridge and... Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like... Brandon Rush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was not like he was being backed up by some defensive stalwart. Uh, it's getting better. So it's not great. I don't know. I remember I just did something like looking at a bunch of different stats and stuff last year and the... The conclusion I came to is he's like in the 40th percentile amongst, <laughs> you said centers, even though <laughs> kind of yeah. contradictory to what I was just saying. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but looking at it in that in that capacity is that's kind of where I see him. And he, he just a little below average, just a little. Below yeah, average. I was going to say like 30th. And and think about think about how how many centers their role is to just be a, like a like play defense. A, like Aaron Baines would be like a. Center, like a starting center because he started a lot for Boston and he would be, you know, better. But Aaron Baines is, he knows like, hey, this is like 80% of what I'm doing is like building a freaking wall here at the free throw line. Like, so there's there's a lot of centers above him that like that's their job. And I don't think Cat has the physicality, wherewithal, whatever to really jump into like that range. But Let's get up to average. Yeah. Get up to average. I, I could I could really could see that this year. Just watching that trend line kind of continue. The mm-hmm. biggest reason I ask is because we talk about so many different ways that the Timberwolves could outperform expectations, could be better than they were last year, yada, yada, yada. And 
The one thing I just I don't think that we talk about enough is just you're, you're probably right. It's it's really unrealistic to imagine that he could become like a 70th percentile defender this season at the center position. But if he did, that's it. That's how the Timberwolves outperform expectations. That's how they get better. That's how they maybe sneak into the playoffs. I think there's one way to do that, and I don't think it necessarily works. And I think it's you run a far more aggressive defensive scheme, and you see because he. Cat has not been given the opportunity to do that, where you, you're telling him every screen, hard hedge, mm-hmm. if not switch, like largely get rid of the drop. Mm-hmm. The drop might be better. It, it might like be in the expected value of it yeah, that's is a, better. Yeah. But if Cat, if Cat is someday viewed a few years from now as a good, one of the best, like a good defensive center, it's because you found something in that. Yeah. And that he is smothering in, you know, conjunction with Robert Covington in those situations or even Wiggins. I mean, him and Wiggins are huge. Yeah. And that, you know, you, you, you find something or Layman, whoever, Okogie, whatever that might be. Like, to me, that's the path to Cat becoming elite, but it's a risk. Yeah. Because once, if you tell him to light his hair on fire and get out there, he's going to foul more. Mm-hmm. That's that will and that we already know that there's an opportunity cost to that. It's it's a risk, but it's the only path I see to him becoming really good, like a really good defender. Which is interesting to me because if going back to sort of the idea of his draft profile, if if you would have asked a draft analyst what's the situation where Carl Anthony Towns becomes a great defender, they would say that they would say he gets. I think I think they would say he gets to use his. He is a a pretty quick twitch guy for being seven foot mm-hmm. tall and 250 pounds. He's shown, you know, the classic highlights of being able to dance on the perimeter a little bit. I think most people would have said three, four years ago, that's how he becomes a good defender is by using that agility. I have defensive awareness down as one of my weaknesses. And if you light his hair on fire, there's, you just need less, you need less of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or it's not reactive, it's proactive. Mm-hmm. And the scheme that he's ran or been asked to do is a reactive set, and it, it requires reading. And it's, at least at 23 years old, it's, it's, not, it's not the way he, I see him to be wired mentally. Um, I, don't, I don't know, though. It, it, would be, it, would be, it would be a total overhaul to yeah. ask him to to do that and and it's a really good point that he would in all likelihood follow a lot more he would and i don't know it's i hope in the strategic part of rosa's answers that means a diversity of coverages and we see it sometimes maybe that's the balance maybe it isn't so black and white yeah it isn't drop or attack it's you know it's somewhere in between and in those really bad, the cat's two really bad years under Tibbs, it wasn't. It was, it was all react, all react, and it did change. Yeah, at the beginning of the year last year, he was he was using him. Tibbs used Cat differently once Covington was on the team, and that's why they were awesome. That's I mean Covington, but also because Cat was so much better. Yeah, in in that sort of role. So yeah, I want to see. Um, I do want to see some of that. The one weakness I didn't have down in this brings me back to Rob Mahoney's the top one hundred from Sports Illustrated. Is, is I do not think a weakness of cats is grit. 
No, I don't either. This is what Mahoney's thing said. Being a franchise player requires a fair amount of grit. Even if Towns doesn't have that in him now, he shouldn't be expected to. No player is a finished product by his fifth season. The timeline just feels more rushed with Towns because his actual skills are so far ahead of the curve. When a big can produce like a superstar, you expect him to think like one. Towns deserves time. I, I agree Towns deserves time because he is, he is 23, but I think Towns plays with grit. Oh, I, I think so too. I think, yeah, go, go ahead. He's just, he, he may not be physically imposing. I, I mean, I think he could play stronger, but I don't think he re- lacks grit when he's on the floor in the middle of the motion of the game. He, he, does, he does play hard, and I, I literally Googled grit. Courage and resolve, strength of character. When the game's going on, Cat plays with courage and resolve. It's when the game stops and he starts whining. Yeah. And 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 you go, well, that's just weak. Yeah. Like, don't don't do that. That's the strength of character. And then when the when the game isn't even going on, and the way he just kind of carries himself, just because of again, the way he's like wired and people become annoyed with some of his quotes and the way he yep. you know, he speaks of that, that when they're annoyed with that, that's they're annoyed with the strength of his character. But they're not, I don't think you should be concerned about Cat's courage and resolve as a basketball player. I think he's a kid. Yeah. I think he's, he has been a kid who played his ass off. Yep. And, and then he gets in his head as soon as things stop. And so I don't know if you want to call that half of the grid or not. When I'm watching Cat play basketball, play the game, the ball's bouncing, the shot's going up, he's playing hard. hard pro- I, I would argue almost harder than anyone else the Timberwolves have had yes. during his tenure here. It's, it's really interesting. There, maybe there's some inherent like tendency when somebody is really good with the media, good to a point where they're kind of like fake, like they're, it's, it's a little bit PR-y. Um, you'd have a tendency to say they're not gritty, but I just don't think that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Jimmy Butler thing has done lasting damage to his reputation, even to a guy like Rob Mahoney, who is a, mm-hmm. a smart guy. And I also think Tom Thibodeau over the course of two years, not in such a um, as pointed of a way as Jimmy Butler did or a, like as mean a way as Jimmy Butler did, but Tom Thibodeau saying things over and over again, like little things about Cat's tendencies and the way that mm-hmm. Tom Thibodeau deployed him yeah. um, added fuel to that fire. And I right. think it's going to take, it's probably just going to take time or one season of, you know, kind of like performing above what people expect you to do for, for Cat to get out of that mess. I agree. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. I think we spent a fair amount of time on Cat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like an hour. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, we, we talked a lot about uh, Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley last week. So let's go into Jang first and then hit on Bell and Vonley more passively. Uh, it just, it's not that we see him, I'm, I guess, speaking on your behalf, to be in the playing time hierarchy above Vonley or Bell. He's just paid as such that he would maybe think that because he's making $16 million this year that you would think he would at least be a backup big and he might not be. Um, But it's given the salary and given that he's on the team taking a roster spot at a minimum, you got to think about him. You got to consider him and you got to say, all right, it's like Wiggins. It's like, we, we messed up. Yeah. We messed up. We gave him the contract. I mean, it's not even we anymore. Those guys tips is gone. Um, 
but what can you give me? What percentage of six, what percentage of 16 million can you give me? And how can you give me that percentage? What, what can we do to give you that percentage? And obviously he's got to crack the rotation. And at some point he will, like injuries will happen, foul trouble. But can you get, can you give Gorgie some sort of consistency when he is asked to play? Um, Cause I think that would go a long way just given kind of, his mentality. Yeah. The game. That's a really, I, just, I hadn't thought much about like how many minutes or even how many games Gorgie Jang will play in because he has been a part of the rotation, whether he was starting or coming off the bench f- for longer than literally anyone else on this yep. team. Um, I do get the feeling that he'll play. I just think Gorgie is like the kind of smart player that a coach, like when things go wrong can kind of just go like, Gorgie get out there, but mm-hmm. I think you said it. It's consistency. Gorgie Jang has got to be the most inconsistent player. Yeah, I mean, uh, of all the holdovers on this team, Absolutely. like it's wild how good he can be one game and just how harmful he can be the next game. Well, he's just like one of those guys that something goes well and he he goes well. Yeah, he then, wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, and then if he messes up, picks up like checks in, picks up two fouls, one of which he thinks he totally the refs bungled like. He, then he'll get pissed and he won't play well. I mean, that's just kind of it, it's that's just how it how it works for him. Um, but that, that honestly, as much as trying to develop other skills are physically on the court, we'll talk about his jumper. Like he, that's that's a skill he needs to work on. Mm-hmm. You know, just got to stay more level headed. He's he's hot, you know, and and that I think that would go ways in being like, hey, Gorga, you we, you don't have a twenty five minute. A game role on this team but there is a role here i would define it however you may maybe it's the you know the backup the third string center that is going to play against certain opponents or when cat does get foul trouble which is going to happen a lot like that there's a role there this is what you know we need you to do and you need to bring the same thing mm-hmm. every time that opportunity comes and um it's just it's important to find to find that role and, and find it in the modern NBA because he's so, as, you know, a very classic center, he's been, you know, run by. The, the league has passed him by in, in, in many ways. But I don't think completely. I think we do know he has a good jumper. Like that, that like, yeah. defensively, he can, defensively, he can be a backup center. He can do that cat roll. He's a solid dropping big. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's finding, can, can we more modernized his offensive game and and like yeah let's have him start shooting some threes he's yeah. always been good yeah he's always been good from the mid-range he in his career he has only taken 52 threes from above the break and he's taken 1078 mid-range jumpers and it, like 44 percent every year from the mid-range i mean uh, roughly like yeah. really good he's been over he, and yeah. he's been over 50 like some years yeah too, from there yeah yeah like it there and i I remember asking Ryan about it last year, and he's like, that's something you need to implement over the offseason. You can't just go from being a corner three-point guy to a guy who also, you know, yeah. isn't shooting above the break threes to shooting above the break threes. And um, I I hope, as I assume Ryan's going to tell him, let it fly this year, Yeah, like just the team in general, that Gorgie's one of the guys that they say, yeah, like if if you're open from three above the break, like, Let's see it. Yep. Because because that's how he modernizes his offensive game. I think when level-headed, defensively, solid. Yeah. Like, he can be solid. Totally. Particularly in a backup, backup center role. Like, that's... Um, 
Yeah. Those are your strengths to me. Shooting it's, it's, and defensive communication. I have the I have those two things under strengths for him as well. I also feel for the game. I only put mid-range shot because I'm a little bit more interested to see. I, I think they probably will say, Gorgie, if you're open, let it fly. Um, I'm interested to see, and we'll probably find out, assuming that's the case, we'll probably find out more this year whether his really slow progression from capable mid-range shooter to like, heave up a corner three here and there to like get a little bit more confident that that he's been on over like the last four years I think we'll find out more this year whether that's been sort of directed on him or whether there's some tepidness in his desire to shoot three-pointers because he does have a really slow release it does that's an issue and when he pump fakes he gets called for a travel like just about every time Mm -hmm. so I I think there might be something within him that like steers away from that part of his game but it'll be interesting to see this year because if he can shoot 34 percent on like a few threes when he gets good minutes yeah that's gonna be great valuable yeah it's how you he's always been good about taking a really low usage role and Mm -hmm. like acknowledging i'm not the main offensive weapon here at all i'm always the fifth option but if your fifth option guy can be someone who in open catch and shoot situations whether it's the corner or above the break is able to shoot though that that's big and um under ryan he did gather more confidence there he's 28 from three under tibbs 39 with ryan it's not a huge sample on either of them um that's good though but i, I do think he'll be I, I don't know if the role will be there but i think he'll be a benefactor from ryan versus tibbs just from the i mean it's pretty easy to connect the dots long you know a longer relationship i think Ryan not only is good at connecting with the players, but he just knows him. Yeah. He's going to know, he's going to know Gorgie Jang better than David Vanterpool will, or Pablo Prigioni, who will be like, Hey, what, what's going on here with this guy? Like, I would like to think that Ryan can um, articulate that. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the weaknesses, I don't know. We don't need to even, he has that. I mean, it's the best way to say it. It's just like that. NBA has really passed him by yeah. in, in so many his ways. His weaknesses are almost his his lack of strengths in, in a weird way. Like, like he's that. not terrible at anything, but just that he's not good at enough things in, mm-hmm. a, in an NBA where your center, your center needs to be versatile in order for him to be like above replacement level value. Right. He's always kind of had like a bigger role that's asked him to do multiple things when really it might have been better if he was got a little bit more Aaron Bainesy and was like, hey, let's just do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and be more focused, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then just inconsistency is, yeah. is his other, um, yeah, that's his other. That's the weakness. bugaboo. And that's actually makes it interesting. Cause I think last year he played a lot better than he did the season before, but is Gorgie 29 now? Yeah. It's, it's second oldest player on the team. His, these next two years will be really interesting for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I missed, I missed saying his stats, five points, five boards, one assist per game last year. Do you know how many minutes it was? Yeah, 13 and a half minutes under Tibbs and 13 and a half under Ryan. Oh. Yeah, which I, I would have thought it was more. Yeah. But I, I'd probably think it might have been more. Like, that's just a catch-all kind of number. Yeah. I think uh, he probably got a lot of garbage time here and there that, you know, affected it. He he didn't have a consistent – it was – when I looked at his numbers, I was like, these don't even matter because with an inconsistent role, what are we even you – know, yeah. what are we even supposed to really go off of? Um. Let's do Vonley quickly. His, he is on a one-year, $2 million contract. And uh, last season in New York, he played 25 minutes per game, eight points, eight boards, two assists. He played in 68 games, started 57 times for them. 
I think the most kind of surprising development to his game is he started really shooting threes. He shot 33.6% from three, and he's the inverse Gorgie, where 88% of those threes came, 88% of his threes in his career have come from above the break, 85 last year, only 15% from the corners. So he's never been a corner three guy. Interesting, very much so a tangent. We're putting together these player profiles, like Dane said, for the preseason, uh, for our preseason kind of content. And I've been looking at all these players' shot charts, and the Timberwolves have a lot of players who shoot way more above the break threes Hmm. than corner threes. Jeff Teague shot four corner three-point shots last year. Yeah, I remember that. What? (laughs) I remember... um, Four. I just like, I was at some game and I recorded him during prep, like warm ups, shooting corner threes. You know, so I was like, oh, Jeff T, getting ready to play, yeah. whatever. And like somebody tweeted at me, it's like, well, he's only shot two of those all year. This was like, yeah, more than halfway through the season. I was like, oh. And yeah. Trevion Graham went 0 of 20 from the right corner last year. Oh, no. <laughs> 0 of 20. That's, that's <laughs> not what you want. Anyways, it was, it, it that's probably. I mean, my strengths I have down for Von Lee are size and rebounding, but because I, d- I don't think that shooting is a strength yet, but I think that's his closest thing to becoming a strength, and I mm-hmm. think that's probably why he took a one-year deal instead of the three-year deal that was offered to him because if he does improve on that, he, mm-hmm. he should be able to get a nice little contract. Yeah, and we I get, I think, you know, size and rebounding. He's big. That There's a need for another big guy, um, and he's proven that he knows how to translate that size into – rebounding ability Mm -hmm. and that that's where he will if he makes a mark on this team it will be defensively in in that sort of capacity but that also ties in for me to his weakness and he I don't agree with the notion that we're referring to um, both Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley as bigs who can switch and get out and move laterally I think that's far more a Jordan Bell thing than it is a Noah Vonley thing. And just since they've signed him, you know, tried to watch a handful of the the Knicks games from last year. And he, he is a guy that he's huge. So if he, if you, if he can stay in front of you, you're not going through him, particularly on a switch, like a guard is not getting through Noah Vonley, but if you get on his hip, Mm -hmm. you're gone. Yep. He just has not, he, he's one of those big players who, once that happens, he goes into, like, fly swatting mode. Yeah. And and he's just trying to, like, block your shot. And guards in this league, they know that. And they're crafty in that sort of way where they make you think they're shooting it from one angle and they're shooting it from a different one. And he, Vonley has been made look, was made look silly a bunch of times by by guards that if they were able to get on it, get yeah by him at all, like, then they're they're gone. So... The advantage he'll bring to defense is in his ability to be sizable in that Taj Gibson role, yep. kind of guarding a Jokic or Drummond or someone like that. Like, yeah, they, they can be in the way because he's thick. Take matchups that are a bummer for Cat. Yes, but I would not be surprised if we are like, or some people, you know, 20 games in the season, we're like, I thought this guy was supposed to be like a versatile defender that we thought of as. I hope we haven't been putting that out there that I, Noah Vonley is super switchy. He, well, he is. I mean, he is. He hasn't been thus, thus far in his career, but that is kind of part of the intrigue with Noah Vonley. Is like, for a guy who's actually been around for a while, he can still so much define who he is as an NBA yeah. player. Like, I mean, his role was so inconsistent for so much of his career, and then the first time he was ever given like any sort of offensive autonomy, 
was last year on the Knicks, which might as well be the Westchester Knicks. Like yeah. it, you were they weren't playing NBA games. He like, I I don't have like the numbers in front of me, but the amount of quarters where Noah Vonley would just like shoot nine shots, I was like, well, this works here in New York. But what if you were on any other team? Like, and even and he he would get rolling sometimes too. But that's that's a concern I have with him is is continuing to have that sort of feeling he, like he has that freedom to be a bucket getter for this team, which is in his bag a little bit. But if he, if he is starting or if he's playing in in a unit with a lot of those first teamers, like I I don't want him to be to be taking a a difficult shot, even if the one pass away is Andrew Wiggins, who, you know, question mark or Jeff T question mark. Like I'm concerned he over asserts himself some. So I, I put down as a weakness, just kind of the shot selection. Yeah. The kind more, but more like shot discernment. Sure. Um, you know, take that above the break three if it's open, but if there's 15 seconds on the clock, like let's uh, you know let's keep it the shot clock let's you know let's keep it moving which is the opposite of cat like last year would be so frustrating get in the possession like one quick little dribble handoff movement something and cats cats above the break and there's 16 seconds on the shot clock and Steven Adams hasn't come out to close on him it's like cat shoot it yeah like shoot it you're yep. a, you're in a, you're the 40 some percent three point shooter like make those um with Vonley I'd like to see you know discernment in that way cuz he's not cat no, certainly not cat as a shooter. No, I, I think hopefully on the offensive end, he realizes those things as well, that he was on a bad team last year that gave him some autonomy to do that. And he's hopefully he doesn't think the same thing about this year. And hopefully he's not being given the same freedom that he was in the past. Um, but I, I don't, I don't totally buy the notion that he's, I I should just say that I'm I have the same concern about his being on a one year deal. Along yeah. with that, the fact that he has had the the freedom to take bad shots in the past, and not so far into the past, but last year with the Knicks, and I think that that could become something that's harmful yeah. to this team. And we have a couple like questions that we thought about before this, and I think that that kind of shines yeah. through in my answer. It. I, I was uh, actually having this conversation with my brother the other day and just about Bonley kind of being on the one-year deal. And I, I kind of came to this, uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of guys on one-year deals. I think the contract year thing will be a good thing for Jeff Teague. Yep. And I think it could be a bad thing for Noah Bonley, which seems counterintuitive or like backwards in some sort of way. Well, they got different roles. They got different roles. Um, but kind of generally that implies extra assertion of, you know, of yourself. Yeah. And and I think Teague can do that better and and, and probably will. I just wasn't a very good year for him. Uh, I would assume that. And I think with with Vonley, it could just be dangerous. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh Jordan Bell. He signed for the minimum with the team. And as we've talked about, my favorite thing on that contract, I think makes it a great deal is not only is it a minimum deal, but because it's only his third year in the league, he becomes a restricted free agent next year, which is great yep. from a team. That's that's a great deal yeah. to, to sign. Uh, you know, even if Jordan Bell has kind of like a, uh, yeah. whatever, you're like, okay, you're still restricted. Yep. Um, rights to match. A lot of teams, you know, are going to be hesitant to throw him an offer because then it holds, you know, holds up their whole free agency process. It's going to just diminish his market next season, which... 
makes him more likely to come back to the Wolves. Great. He's a he's a young guy who you kind of have this it's kind of like a draft pick. Yeah. Like it, you've you've inherited a guy at the end of his rookie deal who's getting paid the minimum, which normally guys at the end of their rookie deal, you know, you know, start yeah. start hiking up. Like obviously the, the the big gross example this year is Markel Fultz where they had to decide on his player option or the team option and he's making, you know, 12 million in the last year of his rookie deal. Well, Jordan Bell here, and you know, apples and oranges a little bit. That's the first pick mm-hmm. versus Jordan Bell, but you got you got a guy in the minimum that's great. Yeah, that's a good off-season signing. He seems like someone who makes sense to plug into your rotation. Um, it's just how, to what capacity is he plugged into the rotation? Yeah. Well, and I, to some extent, it's just going to be interesting to see Jordan Bell on a team and in an environment where he's not benched for every single mistake he makes because mm-hmm. for good reason, that's what was the case in Golden State. They had replacements. They were trying to win a championship. That's just not going to be the case as much this year. I think there's going to be a little bit more leeway for him. But that's a good point about um, getting a guy. like it, It's like another draft pick. We did a whole podcast last year about Mark L. Foltz and Dennis Smith Jr. and Stanley Johnson and Luke Kennard. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. How As can guys we... to target. Exactly. At the tra- it was the trade deadline, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that's it, it's just another example of that where you get somebody else, you know, a guy that the Warriors really just couldn't retain. They didn't have the money to. They didn't have any flexibility. They needed mm-hmm. to keep Kevon Looney. And they let him go. And you get him, and that's great for the minimum. It's 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 a win in that capacity. It's just really hard for me to know what type of player he is. Really hard. Twelve minutes a game last year, three points, three boards, one assist. Played in sixty-eight games, three starts. Um, from what I gathered, and just his year there last year in Golden State, there was certainly some knucklehead factor going on. I mean, they suspended him. Uh, like that. He kind of wore out his welcome there. Yeah, I think is is part of it too. Um, he seems like a you know super positive disposition yep. sort of guy. You could see it'll be it'll be cool to have what I, which is weird. I, I kind of think he'll be like a good good vibe locker room guy, even though knucklehead factor. Yeah. Um, but to to have one of your your locker room personalities be a twenty three year old dude and not you know thirty four year old. Taj Gibson or 36 year old, you know, Luol Deng, you know, something like that. That's it'll, it, he'll, he'll impact team chemistry, I, I think, off the floor. And then, and then in his role, whatever that may be, given the, the, the type of player he is, will be very definitive. Like, I think the lineups he's in will be defined by his presence because hmm. from for good and for bad, he does have that versatility. He does have that switchability. He can, he is a guy who can guard multiple positions. Yes, like in a, I I don't think he's going to be somebody who it's it's a pick and roll. You have any problem with him actually switching out there? Is he going to be able to lock down CJ McCollum off of a screen? No, but he's he's a guy. We go okay, we're here. Like we're here. We got clobbered on a screen. Fine, we're all right. Way better than if it were Noah Vonleh. Mm-hmm. You know that's you know or Car Anthony Towns. That's helpful. He'll be definitive in that way, and he'll be definitive in the notion that thus far in his career he can't shoot. <laughs> He's never made a three. No. Um, he hasn't been asked to. I, you know, <laughs> trainer summer videos, whatever it looks like. I haven't looks seen like, the I, the Jordan Bell summer uh, videos. He's been in the he's in the Swiss cultures. Oh. Oh, um, I, I've seen a yeah. couple of the the pickup games. Yeah. Yeah. And what I will say, because we we've talked about this in regards to all the other players on the team, shooting wise, where 
particularly the dudes who have really small samples of their shooting and incon- inconsistent roles. Like, let's not be married to their three-point field goal percentage, whether that be Jared Culver, Jake Lehman, whatever. Let's, let's judge it by how the shot looks. I do think Jordan Bell has a decent-looking shot hmm. for a center or yeah. a four. You know, I, do know I do know I was looking at this because he didn't make mid-range shots either, and his free throw percentage is like 60%. Not that that's... Really, was that low? Yeah, 62%, mm. I think. And I can look that up just to make sure. But it is... And that doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. Um, but it's a sign of touch. Yeah. And that he's never been a good scorer really anywhere on it, the floor. I'm just glad it doesn't look broken. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which you would think for a guy who's played in the NBA for two years has never made a three and is shooting 62%. from. You would think that's just like a... A guy with a busted jumper. It doesn't look like that. I think, I think we'll see. To, yeah. To what capacity? But even just like, you know, Taj stopped shooting his threes. But you know, when he would get you catch at the elbow and they're not they're not out on him. Like yeah, you pop that, and if that's open, like you would hope that's something that occasionally Jordan Bell. Well, and he can get better shoot. at like just thinking about the idea that he probably was never told to get better at that when he was in high school or college. I, mm-hmm. I'm guessing maybe he was. Um, so if you finally do get told to, to work on that skill and try and develop it, it's probably going to take you three, four, five years. So maybe that's something that does develop later in his the, career. The Wolves example I was thinking of was Dante Cunningham. Mm, that's interesting. As a player. And yeah. I, I think the main thing I think of with Dante Cunningham is that one year where he played a ton and he like shot 1 million, like 19 footers mm-hmm. with just his weird sort of mechanic. But this high arcing shot, he was just, he was like never really a shooter, but he worked on that part of his game and he knew that his bread was buttered and being a versatile elite athlete, you know, rebounding and, you know, getting in there. But he, he worked on a jump shot and made it, you know, made it part of his game. And I think, um, if you can, if he can be Dante Cunningham, that's a that's a that's a piece that you know kind of makes sense in this group. Let's hopefully it's not as many you know yeah. of those mid range jump shots, but that that's a Wolves related parallel that I would yeah that's interesting like to make. He his his rebounding numbers are pretty bad, pretty bad. And I went and uh, NBA.com, you can just watch the rebounds, and it's kind of similar to Cat where doesn't really rebound outside of his zone, which you would think of for a guy with real, has physical tools mm-hmm. would be able to do that. Be like, oh, just some guy who's a menace on the board. It's like Jordan Bell isn't that. Yeah. Is and why not? Like, why hasn't he been? You think that would they would just be like, you know, be be an annoying fifth guy out here for the Warriors for us. Like, let's get be menacing. And yeah. and, and he he wasn't menacing in that capacity, which was kind of um, – that's kind of a bummer to me. That's got to be more of a learn-it thing, though. I, wouldn't you say maybe 75% of rebounding out of your position is, is being able to read the ball while it's in the air and see where it's going to bounce? It's I like mean, a fusion of that and tenacity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's 50-50, but I yeah. think that, that that intelligence, that probably comes from – both an innate ability and experience mm-hmm. is just as important as yeah. the effort. And that's that probably maybe that's what the issue has been for him yeah. you know, thus far in his career. And, and maybe I, for Cat as well. Yeah. And young. They're youthful. Exactly. You know, so there's um, you know, there's what's just nice about signing a young guy is that he's definitively undefined. Yeah, exactly. And and they there can be more added to his game. I remember um you know, just after the Wolves traded for Dario Saric, kind of, you know, 
asking around the smart people I know, you know, about Sarge. And I was, you know, as you and I both were pretty optimistic about the acquisition there. And I was optimistic about the idea of him growing into even more than he was in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And particularly how things played out, I, I extra remember this is what the league executive said. He goes, most players are what they are by 24. Yeah. And you can apply that to not just Jordan Bell, but a lot of these guys on the team, whether it be Layman or, you know, the, a lot of the young pieces that they they brought in. Um, but I think I don't think that that's I don't think you are what you are at 24 if you've never been given a full role. That's a good distinction. And, there and Jake Lehman hasn't. Yeah, they're Jake very. Jake Lehman hasn't. Von, no. Bell hasn't. Noah Vonley hasn't. It like I don't think any of those guys are what they are. No. You could that maybe that executive would say like ah uh, there's less room for growth than the public would think but there are different twenty four year olds and, and and I was specifically asking about Dario Saric yeah who had get, been given a substantial role the yeah. first years in his career which are just again that's different than Bell or Von Lee yeah or well Layman and Saric have been playing professionally for like yes. eight years yeah so yeah. in retrospect kind of makes sense I'm like yeah he was what he was and yeah. I think he will continue to be Dario Saric in Phoenix most that, likely that, that same yeah. thing. Um, all right, we're getting up over an hour. Oh, Nas Reed, we've talked about him some. He's a he's a a shooter. He's physically underwhelming at this point. The right away, the one thing was jarring from uh, from his combine was he bench pressed one eighty five <laughs> three times. I can't laugh at that man. I can't laugh at that. Okay, well you can, <laughs> you're not in the NBA. It, it's it just means he hasn't. Thus far, he's 19, hasn't worked on his body a ton. He no. needs to work on his body, um, clearly. But he's not, that's not the center he is. He is not, he's not going to be turned into a Jordan Bell. Mm-mm. Like that, he, it, he will be, to take a Warriors example, he'll be Mo Spates. He is, that's, I love that example. I yeah. didn't come up with that myself. But he just a, a guy who can, he's got a stroke. He's got a stroke he does. And, and situationally have it. I, and in, I was really impressed in summer league and and having gone to watch some of his LSU stuff, he can read the floor too, offensively. Um, if for some reason there's a bunch of injuries or something, he's in in the rotation at all this year. I think defense is going to be a real struggle. Um, you know, hopefully they can work with him and you know have some band aids behind him to kind yeah. of help that. I think that'll be that'll be a struggle, but he's on a. He's on an even better contract than Jordan Bell. Than Jordan Bell is. It's the 900K this year plus non-guaranteed the next yeah. three seasons. It's it's literally the most team-friendly deal in basketball. Yeah, if if Nas Reed's playing this year with the Minnesota Timberwolves in non-garbage time minutes and uh, something's probably gone terrible when they're not tanking, I will be very surprised. Um, in general, I don't really get it. I. I, I I get that you got these four years of non-guaranteed uh, sure. years, for lack of a better term, where you can just pick them up or not whenever you want. And so the ideal world is kind of that he becomes this 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 okay backup center, so you never really have to spend another dollar at the five for the rest of Cat's contract. Like, okay, that that that'd be nice, but like, what is? You just signed Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley for the minimum. Like, you know how easy it is to find a backup center. Like, you're, he's not going to get to a point where you can, like, I'm, it's, I should say it's very unlikely that he gets to a point that you could, like, trade him for value because when has a center been traded for value, like, in the last couple of years? I, I, I agree with you. I just think the, the counterpoint, if Rosas was sitting here, is there is a 
X percent chance that he becomes more a lot more, more than Von Lambeau. Okay. And and then you have something. Yeah. Because he is 19, he's never lifted a weight in his life. Yeah. His body fat is not what you want it to be at. Like if you quite literally chisel him down and mold him into the type of player you want him to become, even if that's a 5% chance. But couldn't you, yeah, and my thing is more just like, couldn't you, you're going to spend a lot of organizational capital, a roster spot, plus like development coaches who are going to try to get him to eat healthier and work out, plus like he's had some off the court troubles. So you're going to spend all of this time and energy trying to get to that 5% outcome, which if it happens, like great, but you got Cat, so like you're probably going to try to trade him then or play him next to Cat, which maybe that works. Mm-hmm. And the other is like, couldn't you have found a, a point guard or a wing who has a 5% chance of becoming a rotator? piece no it's a it's a it's a counter argument that, yeah. that's for, I, I don't disagree with that it's i haven't honestly haven't really thought about it because i was just like well it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's the last yeah it's and the last is... roster spot but no 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 that, that that's totally fair and at some point we're going to get to this point of the season where napier or teague are going to get hurt and we're going to be like okay so now jordan mclaughlin is playing they gave him a, like a oh, they converted him to a real roster spot that's one of 15 yeah and they need no they, they read they converted to a real roster spot that's what i mean yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah just yeah. to clarify yeah yeah no it, it it is a piece of capital. Yeah. It is a piece of capital on the team. They're a bad team. I think it's okay. Sure. It's the 15th spot. I'd just rather have it be a point guard or a wing. Uh, and, but. And um, it could happen. Like, it honestly, could. They, you could just cut him. Yeah. It's 900K. That's true. Uh, okay. Real quickly, three bigs-related questions. Um, what big man, two-man pairing at the 4-5 are you most interested in seeing the season like most excited and we're, and yeah. we're excluding robert covington from yes this. yes robert covington is not involved in this. so of the kind of the guys we we're just talking about who i'm most excited to see it's bellantowns yeah why uh, just because of the chance you and everyone that's i think that's everyone's answer yeah just most excited we're going to get into another question that's like what do i think will be best but yeah. i just think that the upside there if they do have teams that they want to switch against if you can get that lineup out there the upside there if jordan bell is as good a passer as he says he is <laughs> to, to to carve out a role for himself on the offensive end um the way that both of them, if the Timberwolves are going to be an offense that lets a rebounder take the ball into transition and initiate the offense, both of them can mm-hmm. can do that, and that's really interesting to me, especially just to watch. Right. Mine is, I just think there are going to be situations where Cat is playing with another one of these centers, Von Lair Bell, obviously we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see the Cat and Gorgie thing again in a in an optimize a better optimized situation like they were cat and g got in each other's way a lot Mm -hmm. but it's because i don't think they were positioned on the chessboard well yeah and it's gorgie's gonna make 33 million for the next two years Mm -hmm. you want to talk about organizational capital and saving something if you can turn him into a guy or you can make people believe that he's worth something, five mil, eight mil, like that is going to be extremely valuable for this team. Even, even if he just stays on the team and it's not just a 16, $17 million like anchor. If you can turn him into something that makes sense on the team in that fits the style of play they want, they want to play with. And I mentioned, I think that's using him again on a different spot on the chessboard, shooting some threes, being a helpful defensive piece. If you can find a way to make that happen with cat, that would go a long ways. Mm-hmm. And as 
as we know, I don't know if other people know this, but I know you and I have talked about this before. That pairing, if you go back, it's like the best. It's the like best net rating. Yeah, I. I uh, it's the or cat's best net rating of a of a two man pairing. Certainly with other bigs. Yep. It's like the best ones ever are cat and G. Cat um, and G, Cat's rookie year plus 3.2. 2016-17, Cat and G are plus 2 net rating. 2017-18, yep. Cat and G are plus 0.8. Yep. And then last year in like 30 minutes, 16.2. And w- without going through like the rest of them, but that like in 16-17, you know, Cat's plus 2. He's plus 2 with Gorgie where Cat is negative with Rubio a point, and he's multiple points negative and with And 0.1 with Bielitsa, who is kind of the... The, 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 same, the other option. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, so it, it, from just a points out versus points in standpoint, it's worked before. Mm-hmm. Um, it would need to fit this, whatever this is going to be, and I'm skeptical about how exactly you make that happen, but Cat <laughs> needs help. Mm-hmm. Cat needs help, and I would like to think that Vonley and Bell, and I think we can we have carved out ways that he can do that. But um, Gorgie knows how. Gorgie's Gorgie, done it. Gorgie's, Gorgie's done it, yeah. and it's 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 shown up before. So I'm interested to see if that even happens at all because it just basically didn't at all last season. Number two, who is the front court partner other than Rocco that you think think ends up posting the best two man net rating with Cat? It's it funny. was Gorgie. I think. I think we went through a really similar thought process <laughs> in, in getting to this. So I wrote down Gorgie, but then I said, assuming like X number of minutes, because yeah, I don't yeah. think Gorgie and Cat will actually play together. Then I said Bonley for a very similar reason. My my two thoughts were both. So you think Bell will be the worst? Um, If I'm just putting my money on it. Yeah. I, I would. My, my thoughts were kind of like, okay, who's going to play the most with the starters? Um, which I don't think will be G, which mm-hmm. I think Vonley has probably the best chance just giving Cat's propensity mm-hmm. to not be able to defend and to get into foul trouble. And then if you go back and look at Cat's front court net ratings with the people he's been, who have been on the Timberwolves, it's been the Taj Gibsons, the Gorgie Jings, the Kevin Garnetts that he's performed the best with. So I look at that and say Noah Vonley is kind of the closest fusion that they have. He'll probably play more than Jordan Bell, if I had to guess, or Gorgie Jang with the starting lineup, which is mm-hmm. just going to inherently help your net rating, right. especially next to Cat. So that's that's my, my just my guess. I Yeah, I, I, I would... I would say that, and I, I have had Vonley too, because yeah. it's the for the reasons you mentioned. I think you're gonna you're gonna have a post better net rating if you're playing. If it's in lineups that Covington's also in, which yeah. I think he'll play a lot because that's that's gonna be their best two man pairing is Cat and Covington. So mm-hmm. it's, so basically, the way of answering this is who who plays the most minutes with those? Yeah, two? who's totally. the other big? You know, um, I was looking back at at some Noah Vonley stats from before last year with the Knicks, just because that was such a weird year. In 2017-18 with the Blazers, they their defensive rating with Vonley on the floor was 103.2. With Vonley off, it was 106.6. Nurkic and Vonley together had a 104.1 defensive rating, mm-hmm. which like in both of these years, 2017-18 and 2016-17, Noah Vonley's net rating with Nurkic was either slightly better or just slightly worse than either Mo Harkless uh, or mm-hmm. Alfred Camino. So I, I thought that was just kind of interesting to look back on because it's it's rebounding. You right? got the same defensive coordinator I mean, too. That's a like beastly rebounding duo. Like there's yep. a Vanterpool's coached Noah Vonley. Yep, that's that's one of the biggest things I think he has in his corner, and it's why for me um, the third question was which of these big men is most likely to really miss expectations, and that's why I, I put I put down Jordan Bell mostly just because I feel like Ryan has been like nailing the bike pump and just really pumping bell's tires 
inflating kind of expectations, you know, in a way. And I just go back to what was Jordan Bell's market in mm-hmm. this NBA? It was it was a minimum salary, twenty three year old, and that's just historically not the type of guy who ends up delivering the type of production that Saunders is suggesting. Yeah. And um, it's going to be, I, I've gone with you. It's going to, it's one I'm excited to see because it'll be definitive as we went over, but I really, I don't know like what the multiple things Bell's going to be able to do is. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of scary to me if he thinks he's going to like, after playing the type of roles he's played in Golden State, which have been so small, so hyper specific, if he's going to come out and be like, all right, I'm here, world. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot more to show you. Like, and maybe, like, I hope so. I hope the a lot more ends up being a lot more. Yeah. But if we're betting, it, 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 it seems like an area that could be could come up short yeah I think that's well said I I, I have the same thoughts I we we both said last week like I'm ready to be surprised in a good way about no, Jordan yeah Bell. absolutely absolutely and it's just I I'm not ready to believe Lamar Odom reincarnate is <laughs> is coming to to play for the Timberwolves this year but the the big man position is what it's going to going to define the team because Cat's part of it but it is going to define how they play dependent on how much any of these guys um, are involved and uh, whether it be, you know, mining something in, in Jordan Bell, who is a guy who will be a restricted free agent and thus more likely to come back next year. If you're able to find something to know of online, get him to kind of buy in to be a part of this. And we, you have something in that pairing, like there, you know, there, there's something there. And if you can get, if you can get Gorgie to, can you be a $6 million a year player? I, I don't know. Like, and if, if not, you can find that, that I mean, that, there's, yeah, Small and big picture. Totally. And also, if, if Gorgie's not going give, to give that to you, recognize that he's a sunk cost. That's, yep. And don't play him. Yeah, Mozgov it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think, yeah. No, that's, it's, yeah, at some point, you probably just need to take that. But not yet. I, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. That's all. That's all the bigs. That's what, we, what we've got for this week. Next week, we'll do the wings, um, which will be a diverse group help me out with this Wiggins. layman covington i want to why start with layman wiggins covington layman graham yeah and kata and kata that's that's right. how we are defining that so we'll we'll be back with that next week and look for depending on when um you're listening to this basically in written form with a lot of cool stat graphics and sort of things that uh, charlie put together um there'll be player profiles on each of these guys so if you want to look more in depth specifically to the uh, the stats of what a lot of these new guys are. Check that out at zonecoverage.com. We'll have a lot here um, rolling out from the end of September through the season, which is October 23rd, which is if a you, month and four days away. If you're a reader, you, I think you're really going to like what we've been working on, and I'm excited yeah. for people to see it. also want to say thank you for the ratings and reviews. We go. got a good number of them last week for the people who are listening to this like an hour and a half and yeah. really appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. It makes a difference. And, um, yeah, just kind of whether it's in a comment or just, if you want to email me or send me a message on Twitter, I have my, I have my, um, my email in my Twitter, you know, a- ask us, tell us what you want to hear, what you would like us to go into. We have, a month yeah. of multiple podcasts uh, 
a week before we, you know, before the season starts. So uh, we're going to have, <laughs> nothing's going to really happen. So we're going to have to talk about a lot of different things. So if there's something I'd like us to get into, let me know um, there and we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, until next week, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA, Charlie Johnson at C Johns MBA. Follow us. We'll be back. Peace out. And all these mommies and all these mommies will fly today. And all we want to do is get by today. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.